Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. Come in. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's Colby. You have a nasty habit of surviving. You know what they say about the fittest? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Young Persons Radio with me, your host, Colby Smith. Ah, this is the only show on the airwaves where you, the listener, are guaranteed to be cooler than the host. Our number, 904-351-0729. That's 904-351-0729. This is a special two-hour episode of Young Persons Radio today. Usually, we are followed at 11 o'clock by Points of Order, the great sports talk show, but this week... Young Persons Radio from 10 a.m. to noon. We wish everybody at Points of Order a great time at the Jets game today. And the rest of you, strap yourselves in for a marathon, a marathon episode. Our number, 904-351-0729. If you have been a listener for a while and you haven't called and you feel like calling, this is the time to do it. We've got plenty of time to spread out on the calls today. Uh, So please do. I want to talk to some weirdos today. If there is, like, a weird guy at your office who, like, never talks, you just text him, you get on Slack, you tell him to call this number, don't tell him what it's for, just tell him to call, and I'll talk to him forever. Uh, My guest today is a comedian, a writer, an improviser who can be seen with the team Moose most Tuesday nights at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in New York City. He also, along with Andrew Lipstein, was the brains behind the New Yorker a full cover-to-cover satire issue of the New Yorker magazine that made, I think it's fair to say, huge waves online last summer. I would say a splash, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it definitely landed with something better than a thud. His writing has been featured on The Onion, McSweeney's, The New Yorker, National Lampoon, and many more. And he and Andrew Lipstein are working on their follow-up project called Paul Ryan, The Magazine, which will be completed later this year in print. He also hosts the monthly event, Evening of Humorous Readings at Hi-Fi in the East Village. Please welcome to the show, Mr. James Falta. Whoa! Oh. That was incredibly thorough. I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to hit everything in case something came up. No, that's great. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, How are you this morning? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing great. I, uh, you know, had a pretty, tried to wake up and write this morning. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah I, just get, I just fall into Twitter. Like, I truly fall into it well especially now that every i feel like every tweet feels super important yes <laughs> yeah it does feel it's like, like well what a civic yeah, yeah yeah because you know uh, people you have like your your news sources like your your new york times washington post right. but there's also like you follow the individual reporters and it's like stuff they tweet about doesn't always make it into the article it's, right i don't I, know i love that i mean i'm like a huge political junkie so i yeah. i, I uh, truly lose myself in twitter <laughs> like i'm always like i'll give myself 10 minutes every morning 
I'll see because exactly it's exactly what you describe of like mm. I'll see like you know what's Katie Tur up to this morning? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of is because some of them will get very detailed. Like did, uh, after the election, I started following uh, Sarah Kensinger, who's like a uh, she's a doctoral doctor she's a doctor of of something uh but she did all this work on uh, uh like the, the the dictatorship in uh uzbekistan and Whoa. she's been she apparently uh was like writing about the similarities between that and the trump campaign for like Yikes. a year beforehand so like all of a sudden i'm just like i feel like the gloom and doom stuff i'm very drawn to more than usual now oh yeah because we have a death wish james i i want the pain i'm a real <laughs> glutton for all the bad stuff well, well, look, we could talk about politics all more. But hey, we're also fun guys. We're I mean, also you listen fun to guys. all these fun things I do. So I'm glad you said that because there is a strain, James Folta, mm. of, uh, uh, of sh- shall we say, literary humor yes. in, in your work. Yes. Is that, did, you, did it just kind of happen that way? Did you set out? To, did you kind of see like what this, people aren't really doing it this much? I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I don't know that I explicitly set out and was like, hey, here's a thing that nobody's paying for nobody seems much interested in uh-huh. i'll jump into it yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no i always like i was a sketch guy for a long time in, in college like i did a, too much sketch comedy and mm-hmm. then when i moved when i left college i like didn't have a whole team to work with mm-hmm. so i just started writing stuff on my own and submitting it to like mcsweeney's and the new yorker and around um but yeah i've always been like a big books nerd so yeah. i think i always loved like the first thing that I remember comedically really loving was um was like Mark Twain's short stories, like the, okay. f- the funny ones, like the celebrated jumping frog and like all these like weird little funny stories that he wrote. Mm. Uh, and I loved them. They they fucking flipped my lid for this <laughs> shit. Um, and so, yeah, I started writing for, as like a little kid. And then when it became clear that, um you know, I could publish this stuff, it was like. And I love it. Like yeah. I truly, it is. I think it is like a weird niche, but I think it's a very cool um, form of writing. That yeah, it is like you know, like all, like everything printed on paper is dying, and yes. like nobody really cares too much about it. Um, it seems like, but I, I do really enjoy it, and I think there is something special, especially with like the satire stuff, like the New Yorker mm-hmm. and the Paul Ryan stuff. Like I loved Mad Magazine growing up, oh, sure. and I loved yeah. like Spy, and they did a lot of these. Um, a lot of these like visual parodies that I think are just like so cool. And yeah, fun. It, it, there is kind of a there's an interesting thing when you are like a young person who's into books and comedy right. separately. When you see them come together, it is kind of powerful because especially when you're in high school, you're reading a lot of the great works. Right. So yeah. you get a lot of, you know, like very stodgy, uh, like updike prose that, oh, and God. so when you find yeah. something that's that is lighter and like more lively i guess it is it's a it's memorable and there's a, i don't know it's like it seems like such a shame that you know not to pop off on the state of english education <laughs> in middle and high school but it just seems such a shame that like books are taught as this thing that like are these like monoliths that you mm-hmm. have to like crack yeah like a book shouldn't be you know like archaeology like you shouldn't be digging through a book and being like i found this symbol and now mm. i must like bring it to you and tell you what it means. It's sort of like you don't have to do that. You can <laughs> yeah. read stuff and laugh, and it can be like well written and interesting and pointed. Totally. Um, I remember. I just to speak to that a little bit. I remember the uh, the satire unit in uh, my AP literature class when oh, I was whoa. a senior in high school was uh, we read one thing. And it was the Jonathan Swift. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, an yeah. indecent proposal. Is it, yeah. is it indi- I want to say it's a modest proposal. I think proposal. it's a modest proposal, yeah. 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 
And oh, I was like, this man. isn't funny. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. It, you it, mean this thing from 400 years ago it doesn't make me chuckle oh, now? Oh, man. And, like, comedy ages quickest. Yes. Like, it gets stale quickest. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly... Ugh, yeah, that sucks. I mean, it's just... There is stuff that is, like, sort of funny in this way where you can, like, arch your eyebrow and be like, well, I see where this is working. <laughs> yeah. Um, But there, it's like there is – there are some people writing who, like, do, like, laugh out loud funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, like, Perlman back in the day who wrote a lot for The New Yorker. Even, like, Woody Allen's short prose. Like, I, know I think those are great. They're really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know – Woody Allen's bad now, but sure, yeah. Uh, that 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 collection though, the, I think it's called the Insanity Defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally takes a lot of his uh, his shorter pieces. To, I think it's really good. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. But even uh, um, you know, like, are you like a David Sedaris guy at all? I do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. do. I like his stuff a lot. I think it. Um, yeah, I I think I sometimes grow a little tired. His stuff seems to have like the same tempo all the time. Yeah, if that makes sense like I, it always yeah. kind of has that same like rhythm yeah but i think his i think he's like very i think he's incredibly smart and his mm-hmm. stuff is so so good yeah um i feel like i have yet to find the thing that makes me a die hard with him right like right. uh like i've read a, a couple of things here and there like uh, the owl, what's the owl one uh yeah i don't remember you know what i'm talking name. about yeah, yeah. i have that when i've read bits of it and i'm like this is good yeah running with scissors yeah. is great even the new the new collection of uh like diary entries they just put out is oh, is cool. really good too because it's like a little out. more yeah. raw which i think is fun yeah um but yeah i i don't there there is a i feel like he is almost I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, but he feels like he's from an older generation of like those like newspaper columnist guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I love that Veep had that joke this last season about what's his name. Uh, do you watch that show? I, I am behind on it, but yeah. There's yeah. a guy. There's like the what's his name? The character, the UCB guy, um, Walsh's character, is like oh, yeah. trying to like put, he's trying to get a humor column in like a <laughs> newspaper, and he keeps like giving his stuff to newspaper editors and it's mortifying and it's like <laughs> i was watching it being like oh my god this is me where he's like he's starting to read a thing and it's sort of it's like my daughter said the strangest thing this morning uh and boy it was really a dark vision of a future that i want oh, to yeah. avoid i mean so, i mean if, if you know we can talk about the new yorker a lot mm-hmm. this morning uh, for obvious reasons but uh, some of the stuff in the talk of the town section is just so painful it's nuts the thing that really bugs me or not bugs me the thing that's weird about the talk of the town is how far they'll go outside of <laughs> like how the the sort of like verbal contortions they'll make to cover up the fact that there is somebody that the writer is present in this moment yes. where they're sort of like a concerned passerby <laughs> or like they'll because it's crazy well there'll be these moments where it's very clear that there's a reporter interviewing someone like a celebrity you know uh-huh. Some minor character from Girls is getting coffee in Bushwick with some poor New Yorker writer. Yeah. And they'll, instead of saying, like, I asked him, they'll be like, another coffee aficionado inquired whether, you know, the guy who played Hannah's best friend in that half of an episode (laughs) enjoyed the almond croissant. Uh, And it's just like, just say, yeah, I. Yeah. And I get it. And I get it. Like, sure, you got to have your standards, whatever. I both love and loathe the New Yorker in equal measure, but it's just always so funny to me to oh, see yeah. them like 
bending themselves backwards yeah. to avoid saying I am here. Yeah, yeah. I I, f- I feel that way even about like Fran Lebowitz sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I saw that documentary about her that, that Martin Scorsese did, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. public speaking, and uh, I love. I was like, oh my god, like this, she's awesome. Like she's so funny and fascinating. And then I got uh, uh, Social Studies, which is one of her two books, <laughs> right. and I was like, this is. It's it's exactly what you're describing of just like the it's this very like huh mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah 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 and for those of you who couldn't see Colby just did a very sort of like uh, you brought your hands up like you were a little rabbit <laughs> yeah I kind of did and yeah. raised your eyebrows which is perfect yeah I think yeah and that's kind of the line with like literary humors there's like a lot of people um, who are writing now I'm trying to think. Um, like Bob Volvov is like oh, a guy yeah. that we both know yeah. and he publishes, he publishes a lot. And I think his stuff is so, he goes so hard for the jokes, which yeah. is like really great. And yeah. like, I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, in our world and in our scene who are publishing like McSweeney's kind of stuff that mm-hmm. are breaking away from the, um, cause I think the trouble with the short humor stuff is it usually ends up being a headline and then mm-hmm. it's the headline repeated a couple times. Yeah. And there's sort of little reason to be. The reader is given very little reason to read on. Yeah, well, um, I think part of that comes from just the structure of the places that publish yes. without naming any names. Yes, I mean, yes, a yes. lot of the a lot of the process is you sell the headline, right, and then right, once right. they buy the headline, then you write the then the rest write of the, the article, thing. which yeah, yeah. you know is effective in the sense that people are going to click on the headline. But if For you're sure. trying to write a longer form piece, it's the kind of a backwards. And that's way, also yeah. the reality of the you know of publishing, like in the. You know, everybody's talked ad nauseum about the whole like pivot to video uh-huh. epidemic. But yes. I think that part of that is that thing of like you have to you do have to write the headline first and you mm-hmm. do have to like get you have to get people to show up on your page yeah. to re- even read the thing. So like the headline is important, but it does become this thing of like if the headline is your best joke. Yeah. And then you don't have any more jokes. Yeah. And like you you got to write better. Well, it also comes down to this thing of if the article is just the headline over and over and over again. Why are people are just going to stop clicking on the headline yeah. anyway? And just <laughs> they, read it. Yeah. They don't get anything past that point. You know, right? It's very strange. Yeah. Let's talk about the New Yorker. Hell yeah! This was such a cool thing to see come together last year. Yeah, I guess it was last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did it? So we were talking about the New Yorker mm-hmm. uh, a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a a loyal reader? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, when I when I say love and loathe, it's like right. I I truly. One of the great thrills of my life was to been to have been published on the New Yorker's website. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. it's I think it's such an amazing institution. I think it publishes such great writing. I think it does really solid work. I listen to all their podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've been a subscriber for many, many years. I read almost everything, although I will admit I skip the fiction most weeks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I just I really, really loved it. And I had a guy who I met through Andrew Lipstein, who I met through. New York comedy stuff who was in a similar boat where like we were always coming to like improv rehearsals with the like rolled up issue in our back pockets, yeah. which is like, you know, a very white boy New York thing. <laughs> um, and you have a tote bag, you have a tote bag, you oh, want this, right? Yeah. Baby, you know, it. Uh, there's like four tote, there's four style of tote bag in New York and everybody has at least two or three of <laughs> yes. them. Um, but yeah, so we, we both were like, we love this thing. And at some point I think Andrew was like, He's like, what if we just did a whole issue and we just did a joke for everything? And I was like, that's insane. Yeah. Let's do it. And I think none of us kind of put the brakes on. 
I think both of us realized it was such an insane project, but we admitted to each other later that neither of us had the guts to be like, I don't think we can pull this off. <laughs> so nobody said anything to each other and it just started moving. And by the time yeah. it got far enough along for us to be like, wow, this is a shitload of work. Um, <laughs> it was far too late. Right. Um, but we basically just like, we took an issue, we went through it page by page and we just made a list of like, Everything we needed. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, we had a list of like four talk of the towns, six long form pieces, yeah. 12 cartoons, seven ads. Like we just had a list. We sent it out to a bunch of people we knew. We had them claim pieces, send us pitches, send us drafts. And mm -hmm. then we just like, yeah, made it. That is the most thrilling thing about reading it is that every there is no part of it that's overlooked. Like oh, yeah, every nook and cranny of that magazine, there is a joke on every there's a joke in like columns of pages, like the like Kevin Bauer uh, made fake oh, ads yeah. in it. Like everything is there. Bauer's ads were so good. Yeah. <laughs> he had a he has a two page ad that I still think about all the time. That's a it's for a power company that is the the ad is like we wish we could turn off the power, <laughs> but we don't know where the switch is. And it's like a beauty. I mean, he's a beautiful designer, and it's like a gorgeous ad. But when you read the text, it's like we don't know how to turn the power off. We we're trying. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we truly our our main goal um, and the sort of like little mantra we gave all of our writers and we gave ourselves was like aim to pass. So our our, ah. our goal was that we wanted somebody to be to like if they had two PDFs open of our um, New Yorker and then a real issue of the New Yorker, you wouldn't be able to immediately tell the difference between mm -hmm. the two. So we like we made the the design like slavishly close to what the what the real New Yorker does. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it was really well received. People, people really liked it. A bunch of my favorite thing was, um, we did a release party and a bunch of the, uh, like managing editors and some writers from the magazine showed oh, up, wow. which was really flattering and really cool. Um, one to like, know that we, well, to, we, at first we were like, we're not going to get sued. And we asked them and they're like, Oh, Condé Nast will sue you. We don't care. <laughs> like, you don't have to worry about us. Um, <laughs> But there was one I forget I forget which author it was, but he was a guy who used to do and he still does a lot of the music reviews. Um but there was a joke that was repeated a couple times in a few of our pieces about writers going to report in Scotland. Uh, -huh. uh and which like we just we that joke got hit a few times of like, you know, people going to Scotland to report on whatever. And um he was like He's like, you guys are trolling me. And we were like, what? And he's like, it's a joke around the office that I go to Scotland a lot to report. Oh like, and that, that it's sort of like, yeah, you just like going to Scotland, but, um, but you make up excuses to go there. And we were like, we had no idea. Yeah. But what, like, what a, what a, that's incredible. Dig on the New Yorker to <laughs> back into of like, you caught me. I love Scotland. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, oh man, it was so flattering for him to be like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, just to know that we'd like, cause the tone is like, so it's so easy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just like right there. Yeah. Well, it's part of the thing too, is, I mean, it's been around for so what, a hundred years, yeah. not quite a hundred years, but, but close, you know, at this point. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so if that, that, uh, it's, it's kind of steeped into, right. if you're interested in, in, literature or art or whatever at any level you're familiar with that tone it's such yeah. an institution yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so it how, barely changes how hands-on were you in because you guys served as the editor the editors in chief mm -hmm. essentially how mm -hmm. hands-on were you in in the uh, like the revision i guess editorial process we did 
we we took pitches from people and we like approved pitches, thumbs up, thumbs down, and then we got drafts from folks. Mm-hmm. And then we were pretty we were pretty hands off on most stuff. There mm-hmm. was um there was a few things that came in that were too blue. Okay. Um or were a little too like wacky. There were a few things that came in where the joke of the piece was like the New Yorker would never publish this, uh-huh. which again our goal was like aim to pass. Yeah. So we yeah. were like we can't run this. Right. Um like we had um Mark Vigent did uh, the the uh, cartoon contest on the back page, uh-huh. and one of the drawings that he sent us was Abraham Lincoln jerking off, but his dick was a firecracker that was like going off, and there was like so, like something else was going on in the image, and it was so funny. But we were like, <laughs> we can't do this, uh, <laughs> yeah. like we can't possibly. And he was like, what if we right. blur it out? And we're like, it's still it would insane. give it away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was a few things like that, but for the most part, people like really knocked it out of the park. Like yeah. it was, I think one of my big fears was that it would be people like wouldn't show up or people would like phone mm-hmm. it in or right. like the writing wouldn't be good, but truly the writing was like incredible. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nicole Silverberg, I was just going to bring this piece. That up. piece is like incredible. I mean, it, it's, it's called finding my Gallup, And it's about a woman in her, like a sort of like Tony rich woman from yeah. the suburbs who is trying to become a horse. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's, it's like, as it's perfect. I mean, yeah. it's like the tone is perfect. The, the character of the woman is perfect. It's so long. And it's so do, long. Do you remember? Was it like, it was it's a good several like, thousand words. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a good, like eight or nine pages. Yeah. Like it's really long. The first line is like my journey to become a horse started strangely in the middle. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> It's a perfect <laughs> it's a perfect New Yorker line. Like yeah. it's how they would start an article. Completely. Uh and so like when we were when we started like getting our first drafts in and it was stuff like that and we were basically like we just need to like punch up the comma placement. Uh-huh. Incre- it was incredible. <laughs> it was like such a good feeling to know that it's like oh this is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And not by, you know, any like just basically purely on the work of others who right. are more <laughs> yes. talented than us. But but it was like yeah, it was really incredible. How long did the process take, like, top to bottom? Probably about, like, six to eight months, maybe. I think we figured it out. Um, We came up with the idea in, like, December, around the new year, and then we launched it in, like, June or Mm -hmm. July. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it was, was like, a... It was a quicker turnaround than I think we thought. Um, We Not having to print it was, like, a big thing. It was just a PDF. Right. So we basically um, just set some hard deadlines for our writers, and then... Um, you know, we basically had like one round of notes, one turnaround, uh-huh. and then, you know, we had to get illustrators and cartoonists and like all the illustrated stuff. And then the layout took like, you know, three weeks, four weeks. Um, and then it was a lot easier doing a print magazine now, like currently is a lot harder. Cause like you have to liaise with the printer and like figure out mm-hmm. all that stuff. And that's a whole different technical process, yeah. but just like doing it in design, exporting it as a PDF, throwing the PDF up on a website is like, yeah miles easier yes um but i think overall it took it was a long process Mm. but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like too bad which is why Mm. we did it again um it's just it just takes like a little it's honestly more like spreadsheet work than like yeah writing work of like staying on top of all the people all the moving pieces yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah So this is a natural segue into uh, Paul Ryan, the magazine, which is yeah. what you guys are. You're wrapping it up now. It's it's yeah. currently being printed. The uh, the proof of the cover is like in the mail. It's headed to us. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So we're really excited. So it should be here within the month. Um, knock on wood. But um, yeah, so we 
that came out or that idea we came up with like last September. So this has been like about a year long mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Pretty back to back that. Yeah. We, yeah. we wanted to turn it right around because we were talking with there was like a brief moment when we were talking to publishers about printing the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it ended up falling through. But we were sort of like, OK, we want to have another project we can turn around and pitch to people, which they also didn't want. Right. Um, which is like, you know. God bless and keep publishing. So we did a Kickstarter and um, raised a bunch of cash and, and are doing it on our own. Nice. Has the process been similar in terms of it's other people submitting pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the exact same thing. So we basically we wrote up a thing of like this is the idea for the magazine, which is basically like um, it's a magazine about and for Paul Ryan, just yeah. him. Um, and <laughs> it's satirizing not only him, but also like magazines in general. So uh-huh. every spread is a different magazine. So we have like oh, cool. in-flight magazines, um, sports magazines, fashion magazines, yeah. um, like 17, um, like high times. We have uh-huh. everything. That's... It's 192 pages long. Oh my God. It's like a real that's... behemoth. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's been, that's, that's been a crazy process because the idea of making a magazine about a powerful conservative was so funny last September yes. and then was and now, less funny in November yeah. and has gotten funnier again, thank God. Yeah. But it's still like, still kind of tough. We basically had to write, after the election, we had to write all of our contributors and be like, are you guys still on board? Uh-huh. And if you are, we need you to rewrite your stuff and make it much meaner. Yes. Um, but I think it's like, it's kind of, it kind of ended up being lucky because the reason why we gravitated towards doing a magazine about Paul Ryan is because like he is, as far as I can identify, like the real problem. Like uh-huh. he's the one who continually is like, I think he's, I think Trump's doing a great job. Yeah. And then like disappears and scurries away. Yeah. Like he yeah. is the sort of the grease that like, you know, lubricated the track that mm-hmm. let this thing crash into our entire country. Um so yeah, I think it's, I think it, I think it's going to be good. I mean, it's it's like truly, it's a huge thing, and I think you know everyone will be able to find something in there that they like. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the response is going to be. Totally, um, yeah. It's it's a really like sort of crazy. It's a project that I think has been a little hard to wrap our heads around, just because it's, it's like, sort of ambitious in a lot of weird ways, but also like very straight ahead in a lot of weird ways. Right. Um. So I think kind of balancing those two has been a tough process well the scope of it too i imagine can get a little unwieldy at times yeah i mean if you're taking on i don't want maybe not taking on but if you're if your aim is to satirize the entire magazine world i mean that's a yeah that's a huge undertaking yeah i mean it was like we basically we left it open to our um to our contributors like what they wanted to do where we were basically like if there's a magazine that you love because i think what worked so well about the new jerker was it was a thing that we knew super well yes yeah. And that we, um, you know, wanted to it was so easy to just like jump into that voice and like jump into that world and like make fun of it because we knew it so well. Mm-hmm. And so we basically wrote to everyone being like, yo, if there's a magazine that you love and that, you know, super well, like send us a pitch like within the world of Paul Ryan magazine yeah. that is satirizing that magazine. So we got people who like, you know, are huge fans of like these weird magazines. Yeah. And then. Um, and yeah, and then we basically just had to like execute the design, but like their writing was like so on point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we have like a lot of great ads coming in, um, a ton of like weird, cool spreads of just like, ton- I'm trying to think of like, we have like a Sky Mall parody that I'm really proud of uh-huh. called Rhyme Mall. 
Um, that's a bunch of products that you can buy from his office. Um, there's a full Nicole Silverberg is back and she's got a, um, uh, she's doing a GQ profile of him about like a camping trip that the writer takes with Paul Ryan. That's like really super funny and super incisive. That's awesome. Um, and I mean, she's like a political whiz. So like her stuff is so fucking good. Oh yeah. So smart. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Katie Ruth Ashcraft did a, uh, Brooklyn magazine style, 30 Paul Ryan's under 30. So it's 30 Americans <laughs> named Paul Ryan that like you should be aware of. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's such a huge spread. Um, I'm trying to think what are the other good. I mean, there's like it's it's huge. It's like yeah. so big. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been it's been a really fun process to put together just because people people have given so much of their like energy and time. Yeah. And totally. are like knocking it out. It's been incredible. Yeah. Now, do you? This is out of my mind, I guess, because the the news broke two weeks ago, I guess. Now that uh, Graydon Carter, who's the editor of uh, Vanity yeah. Fair, is stepping mm-hmm. down after. 20, 25 years in that post. Do you have like a uh, a romantic notion of the golden age of magazines in a sense of like the editors whining and dining at the Four Seasons and that kind of thing? I guess. I mean, I, I know that it was a thing. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I so I loved um, Graydon Carter's first magazine with Kurt Anderson mm-hmm. uh, was Spy Magazine, yes. which yes. I think is still like for me the gold standard of like what a cool magazine should be. Um, and it's cause it was like smart. It was funny. It was, um, like snarky. Mm. It was just kind of like, it was always like the, like the cool guy at the party who's making fun of all the rich folks. Like it was very New York. Yeah. Um, like they were the ones who famously, uh, coined short fingered vulgarity. I was just going to say, Trump. yeah. Yeah. Like they were going after Trump so hard in the eighties, but they would also do these really fun pranks where like, they did one where they emailed, emailed, mailed um, <laughs> all the richest people in New York checks for one dollar, and then they saw who cashed them, <laughs> and then they wrote an article about like That's these great. are like the cheapest millionaires in yeah. New York. Trump was obviously one of the ones who cashed, of it. course. Um, yeah. And there's a bunch of other people. They would do all these crazy prank calls mm-hmm. that they would type up. Um, they just like they were so like fun and silly. And like mean, but also smart. Like they yeah. wrote, they broke tons of really great, um, like good political scandal writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and were sort of like equal opportunity going after, you know, it was like the early nineties, late eighties. So there was like a lot of Clinton stuff, yeah. a lot of, um, HW Bush stuff. Um, and it was all just smart and funny and like well-researched and well-written Yeah, in this way that was like sort of. It was like their investigative stuff was bulletproof and their uh, silly stuff was like so dumb that like you couldn't really hate them for it. And it was like, so yeah, I mean, I I think that there is, if there is an era that I romanticize, it's sort of like, and you know, Spy was like not necessarily a successful magazine. It was influential. Yeah. But but, I mean, it's folded now. It it folded. Yeah. Yeah. I think in 93 and even those like those last couple years, most of the people who worked for it are like, those were the bad years. Yeah. Right. Um, like it's pretty well regarded that it yeah. like went downhill pretty hard. Um, but I think like if there's any era that I do romanticize, it's that sort of like I am in my head. I imagine spy magazine is this like young, mm-hmm. like cool, smart magazine where people are doing great political writing, tons of good humor. 
um, and also are like invited to all the fun parties. Right. Yeah. Because like I think that was also part of it is like they would go to the party and like make fun of everyone. So yeah. like they were hanging out with like the Trumps of New York. Right. But they also, you know, were then like writing these like you know then publishing covers of like him as a baby. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think like that's an era that I think is like, yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, uh, like, totally. It'll be fun. Totally. And also, like, you know, it's like if he's stepping down, if Vanity Fair, like, needs a new guy. <laughs> yeah, they, I know. If they need a new editor in chief. Yeah, I can <laughs> learn about, like, dresses, I guess. I don't, I'm trying to think what else they do. I like Vanity Fair. I, uh, uh, um, it's a great magazine. I, yeah. uh, James Walcott is one of their contributing editors, and, uh, he, he went to college near where I grew up. Okay. Uh, so I, I, like, wrote him a letter, like, out of the blue when I first got to New York, and, like, after, a long time of like back and forth. We like finally have lunch, had lunch. So uh, that's so nice. Uh, I, I will always be loyal to Vanity Fair, if only because uh, <laughs> if only because James Walcott was so nice. That to me. one lunch, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so great. Yeah, I think they're they're doing like really great work, and I think um, you know, Graydon Carter is obviously such a towering figure in the field. He is. Yeah, yeah. He kind of epitomizes that type of figure culturally speaking, because he he. You know, he is very, he has this wispy white hair, but yes. he's, and he's just like a, he's just like a big fat guy who loves a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great, which is like, that's cool. But yeah. I also understand that that's like a very old model and that like it is, people yeah. don't necessarily want that anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, he's like, he's a riot. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, um, he, <laughs> There was some interview with him a couple years ago. It was when Gwyneth Paltrow was like threatening to sue Vanity Fair mm-hmm. for some story that they, I can't remember what it was exactly. Like they had gone to write a cover story about her and then backed off, or it was like some some very logistical problem right. that like kept it. And like she was like all mad about it. Uh, uh, and they were asking him about it on some morning show he was being interviewed on, and he was like, uh, he goes, I have nothing against Gwyneth Paltrow. She's a nice woman. I'll save my cannon fodder for grander fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. that's that's him. <laughs> like, yeah. There he is. Oh, my God. I can just <laughs> imagine him swirling a martini. <laughs> just sipping it right there. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that literary world is like so funny. It's... Yeah, it, I feel like it's in a curious, a curious sort of place now, just because so 100%. much of the so much of the money has gone out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it, even as late as the the nineties, I feel like uh, was it was in pretty good shape, yeah. and people were still uh, l- conducting themselves in that sort of classical way we've right, been describing, right, where right. with uh, cocktail parties right, and uh, right, uh, right. You know, that kind of thing. I think there's still probably some of it, but it was. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think just, you know, people are, times are changing, people are getting younger, mm. getting different. Um, but yeah, I was like, I think there was a part of me when we threw this New Yorker launch party that when a bunch of people showed up from the magazine that I was sort of like, oh, they're, they just look like normal people. Right. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not like there's no, I think there is this idea. I think the another thing that's probably more true about the era that the era that we were talking about is uh-huh. like it probably was more like people performing it and like it's maybe totally. not yeah. like it's not maybe if there's not so much of an investment in like being that type of person mm-hmm. um it's just kind of like i could see it very quickly disappearing which is sort of like oh, i don't have to do this i can <laughs> yes. like go to a bar and drink a beer and not have to like hang out <laughs> in a 
coat and tails all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds that sounds better to me oh, as yeah. well. Uh 904-351-0729 is our number. That's 904-351-0729. Uh if you want to call in and I certainly encourage you to do so. Uh James, Ooh. plenty of stuff we could talk about oh, here. Oh yeah. Plenty of stuff. I want to know you had uh um a job at one point that I think is the coolest thing. Were you, you were for Habitat for Humanity. Oh, yeah. You were training volunteers. Is that what it was? Yeah. 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 So the position was um, construction crew leader. Oh, so, nice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tight. Fits on a business Leader, card. dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would basically, I was, it was in San Francisco. We were doing a 36 condo development in Daly City. Um, yeah. And every day, four days a week, I would get a crew of volunteers. I would have to teach them what to do. Mm. I would have to oversee them doing it um, and make sure they didn't mess up too bad. And right. if they did, like correct them and, you know, guide them back into the light yeah. or fix their mess ups the next day. Yeah. So um, this this was like right after college, right? This was immediately after college. Okay. Yeah. 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 So this was, yeah, 2010 to 2012. Now, had yeah. you been, what, what specifically about this was appealing to you? I had studied architecture and, uh-huh. um, had worked an internship in my senior year and realized I didn't want to um, work at a architecture firm. Uh-huh. Like it just the the world the the work didn't appeal to me in the way that I thought it would. Right. So I was like, okay, I want to stay in building. Um, and I was living at home and I was miserable. Right. Um, going through my first like real breakup and I was just like feeling it so hard and just uh-huh. like being a real sad piece of shit on my parents' floor. Um, and I was like just applying for any job that would take me. And so I yeah. applied for this gig in San Francisco um, to work for Habitat. Um, and, you know, I was sort of like, I know tools like my dad and grandpa are handy and like I would help them on projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, that's good enough. We'll teach you the rest. That's and so great. I like showed up and they, taught me how to build a house That's and like fantastic. it was awesome yeah yeah so it, there were some days when i was like you know like maybe like one training and one day of practice ahead of the volunteers yeah um which was like a little stressful um it feels like a bad stand-up bit of like you know you just have to be one chapter ahead <laughs> yeah. of the school kids kind of thing but yeah. um but yeah it was a blast man it was so it was like such i feel like i peaked very early with work like it was <laughs> still like the probably the best job I ever had. It was Uh like good, solid work for like good people helping folks. Um, the volunteers were like, you know, hit or miss like volunteers are like people are, I guess. Um, but it was like a blast. It was like great to, to be able to actually build something Mm -hmm. and for people who were genuinely the best. Yeah. And this was right after the, um, after the, like the crash of the housing market. So there was a lot of people we were building for, that were foreclosed on. And that oh, was God, one of the yeah. weirdest things was like, there was a one bank in particular in the Bay area that had foreclosed on a lot of people. Um, and they would send crews of volunteers to like come to habitat. Mm-hmm. And it was very strange one day where like once, once the houses had started to be sold and we had the families on site working to build their house. Um, there was one day when some guy took me aside and he was like, Hey, so this crew that we're working with, these are the guys that foreclosed on me. Like the reason why I'm here, like buying a Habitat home is because these volunteers. Right fork, over there. Like right over there. <laughs> and it was this like very strange sort of like, oh, what? 
Oh, God. Um, so, you know, which, like, <laughs> good on them. Like, way to cur- be I corrective. Guess. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, it, there was some strange moments like that where it was sort of like, we're in the middle of this insane moment, you know, in the economy and, like, in the world. Um, and, like, here's the thing, like, uh-huh. right in front of us where, like, here's this, like, sweet man who, like, is a father, like, a devoted father of four like sort of like the classic insane immigrant story where yeah. he was an architect in I forget where he was from somewhere I think Indonesia and like had come to San Francisco you know and his like licensed in it was like there's just the classic story of like here's this like professional who's good at his job who cannot find work yeah uh and then gets foreclosed on oh my god uh and then is sort of like glad handing with these like you know this some team from the bank it was nuts that's so yeah, surreal so that's, surreal n- oh my god um I but can't imagine. such a cool job i learned how to build a house yeah um, which is I, like red i did you i very much have that thing where it's like uh if i like fix a cabinet in my <laughs> yeah. kitchen i was i'm just like yeah like who wants to fight <laughs> <laughs> like, finally yes <laughs> a man has arrived that's right <laughs> yeah but that's that is uh that is about the most i can do uh i'm afraid it's <laughs> Fist fix a cabinet. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. It, it was very it was very satisfying to to be able to build something. I mean yeah. it was like I went back to San Francisco a few years ago and I went past the house or the the apartment complex and just I was like walking by and I was like, oh damn, dude, <laughs> yeah, I built that. That's very cool. <laughs> it was nuts. So this this was in San Francisco. You grew up you grew up near New York, right? In New York, yeah. yeah. Oh, in New York yeah, proper. I was, okay, I, yeah, well, I was yeah. born in Manhattan and then I grew up. Um, North of the city in Westchester. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. No, yeah. I'm like not uh, properly a city kid. But, right. Yeah. yeah. You were you like looking to go west, as they say, or uh... I think it, I think I like needed to get out of my hometown. Uh huh. You know, I uh, I think that's important. Yeah. If there's any youths listening, <laughs> yeah, I think it's like yeah, I wanted this, to. This show's a lot like the Gethard Show, and it's, <laughs> a, it's a lot of just like like 14 year olds looking for direction, <laughs> right? And uh, they hear me and they think, well, at least I'm cooler than that guy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it can't go that bad. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to like get out and see something else, and mm-hmm. yeah, so ended up in San Francisco. Nice. And yeah. I had some, I had some friends there, and it was, yeah, it was great. It was definitely like tough. It was, it's tough to like move to a new city and yeah. like not know that many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. I um, you know, I didn't end up wanting to live there or stay there at all, but mm-hmm. um, it was really fun to to get out. Yeah, and you you sort of you found. Uh, I mean, you said you just got in college, but you this is when you first started really performing regularly. Yeah, which right? is like, yeah, I was just trying to find a thing to do. So I was going to like a lot of like metal shows. And then I was also doing a lot of open mics. Uh-huh. Um, and so you, was, you started doing stand up. Yeah, I started okay, doing cool, stand up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which was like very um, hard. I mean, if there's like, I think in my head, I was like, Oh yeah, uh, stand up would be a great way to like meet new friends. Uh, like going to do open mics, which it's not, <laughs> not at all. No, it was. I, I uh, Natasha Vainblad and I were talking about mm-hmm. this last week. Of like, you 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 have these improv classes, and it's almost too welcoming in the yeah. sense that you, everyone gets a beer afterwards for eight weeks right. straight. Then in stand up, it's like, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> yeah, everyone hates you. They yeah. resent you if you have a good joke. Yeah. Nobody wants to hang out. Nobody wants to even be there. No. It's, I mean, it's, it's like a gym. Like people are working out. Yeah. And like nobody yeah. wants to, 
nobody wants to hang out when they're all sweaty. No. Like nobody wants to no. be that creepy guy who's like, so you come to the gym often? Like, <laughs> yeah. please be my friend. How long have you been a member? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I ended up through that accidentally going to a, an improv jam. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met all these like former people who had made the same move as me, like from yeah. New York to San Francisco and like wanted to do comedy. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And that's why I ended up in improv was like, because improvisers were like, yeah, I do want to hang out with you. And I was like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. A, you know, a parched man to water. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up falling in with the crew there, which has been really fun. That's very, so what, when, when did the move back to New York happen? 2012. 2012. 2012. Nice. Yeah. Nice. The year of our Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I moved back. Um, and yeah, and started doing like UCB stuff mm-hmm. and more writing stuff and got back into hosting that um, humor reading show. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's been great. Oh, so you've been doing you've been doing the humor reading since since then. Oh, boy. Yeah. We're coming up on our four year anniversary. Wow. That which is outstanding. Nuts. So but yeah, yeah. I have a undergraduate degree <laughs> in hosting a show that right. very few people come to. <laughs> They'll come after they hear this, mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> um, no, that show has been like that show has been such a blessing just as far as like. I think we started doing it very selfishly of like this will be a way to to keep us writing and we can also like get ourselves in front of writers that we like. Totally. Um, So we've gotten to meet a ton of like really cool people through the show Mm. um, just because like, you know, writers don't get to perform ever. Yeah, it's true. There's a um, she's been on the show too. Alyssa Goodman um, is a writer. She does. Do you know her? She um, I know of her. Yeah. She does a a series at Niagara, which is not too far away from Hi-Fi where you uh, guys do the show. Um, And she said the same thing. It's just like give. To kind of, there's a community aspect that you don't get when you're mm-hmm. just a writer because it's a, um, you know, you're just alone. Yeah, you're just sitting in your room, staring at a blank page, yeah. hoping something comes out. Yeah, I think what's uh, both times, uh, um, what's similar about your two shows, I guess, is that there is kind of a, uh, it, it takes on a much different life whenever it's being performed live in front of an audience. Yes, and I've even noticed when I've gone to her show that a lot of writers who I would other think of as uh like fairly serious i guess have yeah. chosen lighter pieces to read because they they it's just it's so different in front of an audience oh 100 percent, yeah uh, and i think that's great yeah it's so fun i mean we we like we basically started doing the show just because of that very problem where there's like no space to do any of this stuff mm-hmm. um and if you if you pull out a piece of paper on like a variety show or an, in an improv show or in a stand-up show People fall asleep. Yes. Like as soon as you pull paper out, they're like, oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take I'm gonna forever. I'm going to be too. <laughs> and so, you know, we just decided to like we need a space where the audience's expectations are properly calibrated. Totally. Yeah. So they'll like they'll be along to listen. Yeah. Um, and it's been it's been so fun. And we have like some loyal followers that's great i, yeah, I imagine it helps you work stuff out too oh, to hear where the laughs come in. yeah it's yeah. great it, like i will i record everything that i read and then i edit the next day like based on those laughs and it's like it vastly improves stuff awesome well we have our first caller on the line yeah james mm-hmm. uh caller you are on the air with uh, me and james falta hey this is local comedian james cross whoa, whoa james, bad boy james cross is here everybody hey, good morning I just wanted to ask, Colby, James, how are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Oh, doing well, yeah. Doing good. Yeah. I will take my answer off the air. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Did he hang up? I don't know. James? Wow. Oh, wow. Wow, that's he's a, he's really gone. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a very James Cross bit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're doing well. 
James. We're doing great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, if I can answer the question honestly, I think it's hard to say that you're doing well these days. <laughs> to go back to the that Twitter feed, it's rough out there, my dudes, and yeah. you got to take care of yourselves. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, that, that you got to take care of yourself thing is like on my mind. Like, I feel like I have justified like irresponsible purchases. Yes. Like that kind of thing so much more now. I'm just like, well, Trump is president, so I'm probably going to be dead soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it is, a, it is a thing where I feel like friends of mine who are activists are, are like, you got to do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's the responsible thing. You're of yeah. no use to the revolution if you're bummed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so self-care is, can be a revolutionary act. I don't know about you, James. I, self-care is not a thing I do well with in my natural state. Oh no, not at I all. I am so hard on myself. For, like sometimes I'll just be like, I was just like, I'm just going to watch an episode of Riverdale right now. And then I'll be like, well, it's 45 minutes. You really have the time to spare? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't you think you could be cleaning something? Just, <laughs> just surrounded by dirty dishes. Yeah, exactly. Colby. <laughs> No Riverdale until the dishes are clean. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. I never, I like never let myself off the hook. Yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, I've been feeling that recently with, uh, you know, your boy's been binge watching the new Ken Burns Vietnam documentary. Oh, yes. You know, your boy's been watching that. <laughs> uh, and it is a thing where I can like only justify it to myself of sort of like, well, this is educational. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise I'm sort of like, you should be writing. Yes. You should oh, be my God. working. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll feel guilty for relaxing. And it's like, it's the end of the day. Oh, God, what do you no. feel guilty for? Yeah, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is a thing where I... I need to like do these calisthenics to like get myself to a place where I feel okay yeah. taking care of myself. Oh yeah. Well, it's a double edged sword too because I feel like that that impulse has served me well at certain points yes. in my life where it's just like, no, I got to finish this thing and I've got to finish this thing now. Yep. Um. So that part of it is when I appreciate it. Yes. You know, but other times, you know, it's not like I'm just in a constant work frenzy. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. other times, I wish I could turn it off. Oh my god. <laughs> and that's the hard thing about like working working from home and like doing yeah. freelance writing you know as full-time as i'm able to mm -hmm. uh is you never really have like a weekend like you never really have time off like yeah. i can always be working on new stuff i can always be pitching new stuff mm -hmm. so it's just like have i really earned anything that's it's the earned thing. yeah yeah do i deserve anything yep answer is no, I don't. No, I don't. And I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's see, that's the thing is you always come back to that. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I how, don't deserve it. How dare I? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how dare I think I deserve good things? Oh, and the world reminds me of it all the time. Oh yes. Uh, once again, this is Young Persons Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, I'm your host Colby Smith, and my guest is James Folta. Our number is nine zero four three five one. 0729. This is usually the point, James, where I would be talking about ending the show oh, whoa, and wrapping yeah. up, but we don't have to do that today. We are on the air for one more hour, folks. We, are, we will be here until 12 p.m. That's noon Eastern Standard Time. The crowd goes friggin' wild. We'll be there. We got a lot more to talk about, uh, and uh, we got a lot more time to take calls from you. So, to get, once again, 904 351 
0729. We will, however, uh, in a couple minutes, take a brief musical break. Okay. Uh, and then hear the uh, hear the the promos and everything, and then start back up right after right after eleven. Yeah. Then we can talk. We can talk tunes in the second yes. hour. This is now. Instead, we'll just do a promo for the second hour. Okay. Great. Now. Yeah. We're gonna do a couple things. To. <laughs> we're gonna do a couple things. Let me take some notes here. We're so gonna talk. Know. We're gonna do a thing that I try to do with every guest and sometimes forget about, which is the Young Persons Radio Guest Questionnaire. Whoa. It's a series of questions that I ask everybody. That's great. Uh, so we're going to do that. Someday you can compile that into a book and publish it. That's, you know what? That's With a great you on idea. The back cover. <laughs> on the back cover and like very moody photos Classy of all the guests. Black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want a book of photos, man. I, you know what I've, I started doing recently is finding the, the, the books of photos, like, like the dollar rack at used bookstores, yeah. and then just tearing shit out and putting it up in my room. It's great. It's so much better than buying. Like posters and like real prints. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have They're a couple. Expensive. I have a couple posters in my room that have like framed like of like tour posters and that right, kind of thing. Right, right. But at this point in our lives, James, why you got so many posters in your room? I it's do. not a college dorm. I know. You know. I know. I feel like it's the kind of thing that either it works like on mass. Yes. Or, but if you've just got a handful, it's like get those out of there. And they're never a poster is never like centered right. No, <laughs> like a poster is the wrong size. Yeah. for your standard wall. Yes. So, yeah. Oh boy, what I've been doing recently is, uh, if I go to museums and there's a painting I like, I'll buy the postcard of it. Oh, that's and then a good I'll idea. Frame that postcard, so that's I have a like idea. a wall of of postcards of like paintings and art that I like. That's very cool. Which is. Yeah. Which is fun um, because, again, like if I'm going to buy a print of a painting I like, I'm not trying to drop a bunch of cash. No. No, God. I don't like art that much. <laughs> it's not that good. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. Me and uh, uh, Jack Slattery do a, a ranch from time to time about how art doesn't matter. <laughs> Just like all this time spent in solemn self-reflection when you could be tilling wheat. <laughs> oh, God. Well, there was a not to go back to the new yorker but there was a very interesting piece a couple weeks ago that they wrote but that the premise of the article was has civilization been good uh <laughs> and it was basically a, there's been a bunch of books that have come out recently that are sort of saying like people might be worse off uh-huh s- since we've become not hunter gatherers yeah which is sort of like it's a very interesting thing to think about of like will you would you take all the terrible awful <laughs> insane cruel sadistic things that humans do as a result of having civilization uh-huh. put that on a scale and then put on the other end of the scale like all of art I, like which i really don't know. i really don't know i either. really don't know i really don't know either like is there a painting i think like the question sort of comes and it's very abstract and it's very dumb and it ultimately doesn't matter <laughs> and i also think that like the state of being human is to be increasingly bettering oneself and uh-huh. whatever that means but it is very interesting to think like the most beautiful painting you've ever seen, the most beautiful song you've ever heard, is that better than war? Yeah. It, no. Hard, <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to make that argument. Yeah. Like it's Yeah. So yeah, art is trash, my dudes. Yeah. Call in and yeah. burn my ass on that. That's right. Nine oh four uh three five one zero seven two nine if you all agree that art is trash. That's nine oh four three five one zero seven two nine uh we got a couple minutes left here let's let's go out to a uh let's go out to a song do you like the dead milkman yes. i have a feeling i know the answer oh yeah, yeah i do yeah. yeah uh i love anything hard and fast they were they were like this i saw this Sharpling and worcester show in uh, uh philly two years ago Amazing. and they were the surprise guests really and they played the song i'm about to play which is punk rock girl very good it was very exciting it was cool to see them I, it's not a band i would have expected to see 
It's not a band that I think I think about all that often, but I would be stoked to see them. Yeah, it was like a very good surprise. It's great. Uh, so we are as soon as this ad finishes, we're gonna go out to a song by Punk Rock or by Punk Rock Girl called Punk Rock Girl by the Dead Milkmen. Uh, but Young Persons Radio will return in its second hour from eleven to noon with me, Colby Smith, and uh, our guest James Folta. So stick around. Make those calls. Again, our, our number is 904-351-0729. That's 904-351-0729. That's the wrong number up, up there. Oh, yeah, That's I was going to say. 904-351-0729 is the correct number. Uh, so call in. We're going to take a very brief break, and then we're going to pick the show up for one more hour. In the meantime, here, is, here are, I should say, the Dead Milkman. Back in a moment. Bye. Ah, and we are back. That was a little mini, mini Dead Milkman set we had there. We heard Punk Rock Girl, a little bit of Bitch and Camaro, and that was the first minute of Stewart. Oh, boy. I love, that's like, that feels like a very specific, like, 90s music form of, like, a sort of just setting up, like, a guitar thing, and then somebody just, like, tells a short story (laughs) over it. Like, I feel like that's, like, most of Pavement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you a Pavement fan? I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I like I like Pavement. I like Malkmus as like a figure in music. Yes, but probably, not a Pavement guy. Probably more than I like Pavement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel that way a lot about a lot of bands from That's that fair. era. I'm trying to think if yeah. like... Yeah, I feel like I... Well, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's another band who's like front men maybe I enjoy more than the music as like an institution. Yeah. Because, like, I love Morrissey, and I love the Smiths. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the Misfits, and I love Danzig. Uh, I think that, you know, I love everything that, um, you know, Fugazi and Minor Threat and, like, all those guys. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's somebody whose band I don't enjoy, but... Well, while you think Rollins. about that... Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Rollins is ridiculous. That's... that's <laughs> I mean, we were, uh, you know, we were just talking off the air uh, just now about, uh, <laughs> I try and hit that trope every, yeah. <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, 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 the song Do It by the Rollins Band was mm-hmm. big for the best show for a long time. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. But I should say, before we go any farther, that this is Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Colby Smith. I'm filling in for points of order today, so we're having a second hour of Young Persons Radio until noon, and then we will be followed by The Stroll Show and we will continue our astonishing 12-hour block of talk shows this and every Sunday here on Radio Free Brooklyn. In the meantime, I'm here uh, with James Folta, and we're talking tunes, baby. Heck yeah. Sorry, sports fans. No sports today. <laughs> oh, but if you want to call in, I'll try to keep up. Yeah, for sure. Everybody should call in. 904-351-0729 is the number. 904-351-0729. Let's get those calls in. Now, James, I teased this a little bit at the end of the last hour. <laughs> yeah. But we are now going to begin the Young Persons Radio guest questionnaire. Okay. A series of questions that have uh, evolved over the course of deep study Great. into the art of interviewing. <laughs> and they begin as follows. Bar trivia or karaoke? Oh, boy. I feel like you're a trivia guy. I think, I, I think if pressed, I would. Okay, 
here's uh, may I ask a clarification? Yes. Is this participating? Yes. Or being stuck in a bar? This is with it. This is your 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 two favorite neighborhood bars Mm -hmm. that are located the same distance away from Mm -hmm. your apartment. One is having a great trivia night with a terrific prize. Great. The other one is having a karaoke night that fits your ideal karaoke expectations as well. Which uh, one do you go to? I think I go to trivia. Uh-huh. I think yeah. I'm more of a trivia boy. Yeah. I, I like. I, I think the premise of karaoke is inherently flawed. Oh, uh, interesting. Just, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. I don't know. I just. Yeah. I don't want to hear bad covers of songs, <laughs> especially not from my poor sweet friend. Well, sure. Well, this the follow up question to this is uh, open bar versus private room karaoke. Does that change your answer? At definitely all? private room. Yeah, yeah. Definitely private room. I feel the same way because there are a lot of times. So look, there's. A, I've told the story a couple times on the air before. Mm. There's this place, Cobra Club, that's very close to where the studio is. Oh yeah. Uh, and they do a backroom karaoke uh, Fridays and Saturday nights, and it is so packed and so loud. And I feel like that is very good. Oh I've yeah. Had a very good time there. You but, want it to be. You want it to be like where the music is like secondary. Yeah. 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 The advantage of the private room, I feel, is it it satisfies that thing of once you've been up the one time, you just get more ideas for songs you want to do, and then you can do that right. in that in right. the private room scenario. And you also get to hang out with your friends, and like you get to do songs that you all like. Like I feel like there is a thing in like if you're just in the bar or you're performing for a bunch of strangers, and they're not like they're not inclined to like you, mm-hmm. so they're just sort of like, who's this guy? And if he's yeah. not good at singing, and I always want to do like. You know, some misfit song, yeah. or some Ramon song, and nobody cottons to that. <laughs> so it's always a little rough. In in the open bar scenario, I feel as though song choice is everything. It's everything. Because if it gets people going, you don't even really have to be the one singing it. Right. Because then everyone else is singing. Right. But the part, I will never pick that song as far as long as I live. I know. I just don't know it. Yeah. 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 I don't know what the perfect one is in a given moment. I've been doing a lot of... Um, Trying to think what my go-to songs have been the last few times I've done karaoke. Oh, I've done um, uh, "Teenage Dirtbag" by Weedus. Oh, nice! Which is so fun. That's and a really good one. People, people respond to it where people are like, "Wait, this song?" Yes, yes. Uh, and everyone like kind of knows it, and it's it's fun, and you can sing it badly, and that's intentional. That I feel like is the type of song that you're you're supposed to do in that that's scenario. The sweet is spot. the is yeah. the oh that song? I love this song. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to know what that is though, and it changes crowd to crowd. Yes, exactly. With great, <laughs> great regularity. Oh, boy. I, I was know. once in a uh, scenario where that song was uh, "Friends in Low Places." <laughs> oh boy! And I was like, no, no, no. We know this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> This is one that gets sung at every karaoke ever. It always happens. <laughs> yeah. It's just lurking. I, it, someone did it, and I literally heard someone say, oh, like <laughs> yeah. that. And I was like, no, we knew this was coming. You have to expect it. Yes. It hangs. There's a few songs that like hang over karaoke spaces, like the smoke of old battles that are just sort of like <laughs> there in the ether all the time. Yeah. And I feel like, like that's one of them. The bartender like knows the code mm-hmm. <laughs> at the back of his hand. There's a place in San Francisco where, and I think a lot of karaoke places are probably like this, where there, all, where there were songs you had to, like you could put in songs for free, but there's a few you had to pay for mm-hmm. that were like your, you know. You know, you're like big bangers. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I'm, I'm struggling to remember. That's a good model. Actually. It's a great model. You have to like, pay for the ones that they hear all the time. Yeah, if you really, ah. if like you really want to do, you know, your Queen songs that yeah. are that happen all the time, you Which, gotta pitch in a couple bucks. Why would you do a Queen song? No one can sing like that. I know. You I can't. know. <laughs> and again, this is what I'm saying. There's an inherent flaw in the premise. Yeah. Of like, you want to hear a good song. Mm-hmm. But you already know the song because you love it. Yeah. So you're set up for failure. <laughs> yes. Because you have in your head, this is a thing I love, sung by a performer I love that does it well, iconically even, which is why you want to do it. Uh-huh. And then you're like, here here go I. <laughs> yeah. Taking a swing. swing at it. Miss. Oh, it's always a miss. Or, <laughs> or it dribbles to second. Yeah. Uh, best concert you ever saw is the second question. Best concert I ever saw um you know i was just talking about this last night i i've seen i've seen a lot of concerts that i've really enjoyed mm-hmm. but i think probably the coolest live music moment i've ever seen and mm-hmm. like truly the most insane thing um and i i've seen i mostly go see like hardcore punk mm-hmm. metal kind of stuff like songs that'll puncture your lung kind of stuff right um but i saw in 2006 i saw kanye at the garden Oh, awesome. And it was it was an amazing show, for one. But towards the end of it, he was like, I want to bring out a special guest. Are you guys like ready to see it? And we were we all go. like, we were all like, yeah, cool. I, whoever's back there, we're loving it. Yeah. Um, and so it's Madison Square Garden. It's fucking packed. Uh-huh. Um, and Jay-Z comes out Yo. and does like 45 <laughs> seconds of what would become, I think, New York State of Mind. Okay. And to hear Madison Square Garden full of New Yorkers, like, I was so far away, but I was immediately like, fucking Jay. Like, that's him. (laughs) And all, like, I truly, I didn't hear any of the song. I had to listen to it the next day of, like, Uh someone's phone recording because the place exploded. Yeah. And he, and it was nuts because, like, like, Kanye is, like, he's amazing and he's Mm -hmm. a great performer and he's, like, very charismatic on stage. But as soon as Jay-Z came out, he was a child. Like, yeah. Jay, he, oh, it was incredible. That's so And just cool. the pure, like, volume and, like, the air became, like, physical with people oh screaming about it. It was, it was insane. That's and then so- he just left. Yeah. Like, he did truly, I think, less than a minute and then <laughs> left. And it was just, like, and he never even really got to the center of the stage. He just kind of, like, came out and, like, Connie sort of, like, faded away and like it was insane that sounds incredible it was truly one of the coolest moments when i was just sort of like this city loves this guy yeah yeah well talking about the the crowd too i i've talked about this a little bit where there are places in new york where they have this legacy and they don't like regardless of how much you know about them going to the place just does not feel as special yeah i don't think madison square garden is one of those places i think it's very it's very electric when you're there. It's I mean, cool. yeah. I imagine if you go, if you've lived in the city your whole life and you go all the time, it's probably you. It, that's that's faded a little bit. Yeah. But I still, you know, I'm not going to Billy Joel every month. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> season tickets to exactly, Billy Joel. Exactly. Exactly. So like when it really does, I can I feel like I can feel the history when I'm there. Yeah. They, they a, really celebrate its legacy. It's such a cool spot. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. And other than that, I feel like I saw. Um, one of my favorite bands growing up was this band Les Savifav. 
You know them at all? No. They're like kind of this like art punk band, but they always had the most fun live shows. And I saw them do a New Year's show one time where they had everyone put on Day of the Dead masks uh, and like sing along to some song. And it was super weird at like <laughs> three in the morning on January 1st. And it was like so fun and weird. <laughs> I saw them do an outdoor concert once where he like stopped a bus, like the lead singer, and tried to like climb on top of the bus. It was uh-huh. like they were wild. They were so fun. Um, and I think now a bunch of them are um, the uh, house band for um, The Late Show. Oh, no I think, kidding. I think a bunch of them, yeah. Or not. No, Seth Meyers. Oh, uh, cool, A bunch of them cool. moved to Seth Meyers' band. Which That's is like, awesome. That band is like a who's who of like cool <laughs> 90s indie rock. Uh-huh. Um, and what are they called? I think they're called the um, – Oh, the I don't know what the house band is called, yeah, yeah. but no, the band no, that the, I love yeah. is called Les Savy Fab. Les Savy Fab, which okay, is cool, a yeah. like, I think it's like a nonsense French sounding word. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next question: mm-hmm. What is a movie that you know is bad but enjoy anyway? Oh, baby, my favorite movie of all time is Point Break. Oh, okay. Which actually, sorry, that's not a bad movie. That's a perfect movie. <laughs> so I retract that as an answer. But I know that people think that it's bad. Ah, uh-huh. um, I love movie that i know is bad but that i really love i mean i love like time cop like i love oh, all yeah. those like dumb yeah. i recently saw time cop over the summer at like a matinee uh it like in the afternoon uh-huh. like very hungover uh <laughs> with my then girlfriend and it was i was like you're gonna love this and she was like i don't know and i was like no no, no it's nuts and like we were both sort of like upset and like in a bad mood and then time cop like it was amazing. <laughs> it just it healed. It healed because <laughs> that movie is insane. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, maybe I'll say that. I, I just like I love schlocky stuff like oh, that. Oh, totally. Like that sort yeah. of like '90s like action stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something that I go back to more often that I know is very bad. Eh, probably Time Cop. I mean, like yeah. stuff like that, like that Seagal stuff. Um, I like a lot of like bad old John Wayne westerns. Too, oh, sure, like, yeah, sort yeah. Of, they're like so racist and dumb. They are like yeah. you get those beautiful shots of Montana. Yeah, I saw the one. Uh, I saw she wore a yellow ribbon uh, oh, a couple months ago. Yeah, and that one it was built up to me as like oh, just one of the best ever. Just one of Ford's like crowning achievements, yeah. and most of it is them yelling at the one woman in it. That's <laughs> like, all. It's like all of the movies. I mean, it's. Ugh. I know. Even um, there's a lot of cornball stuff in John Ford. Tons of cornball stuff. There's always the like one guy who's like falling off the wagon, Uh uh, and it's just like you know falling into mud, and like Wayne shakes his head, and it like fades to a mountain. Yeah, but like the women in those movies are really trod upon. It's rough. Yeah, yeah. Did he didn't direct True Grit? Right, the John Wayne one. Yeah, I think he. uh, Well, I don't know if he directed it. I think he. might have that book is great too that charles, charles Portis. Portis? Yeah. yeah i haven't i have a copy that i have not picked up yet his book dog of the south too is like incredible nice um let's see john wayne true great 1969 john wayne karen wait director henry hathaway okay whoever that is go home hathaway. <laughs> henry hathaway um Best, yeah, best known for True Grit. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I, anyway. I, I, the, the, I still, I'll still stand by The Searchers. I think The Searchers is still a great film. Searchers is really good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, 
you know, troubling in all the ways that all those movies are. But I think it, one of the best ending sequences yeah. in cinema of mm-hmm. like, I just love the framing of that shot when he's like holding his arm that way. And he's like, everyone got what they want. Yeah. Including the one guy who just wanted a rocking chair. And you just <laughs> yeah. see him happy in the rocking chair. And he's sort of like, well, here we go. And he just <laughs> walks off into the desert, which like all Confederates should. Yeah. Like yeah. he all Confederates should be like John Wayne or like Neo Confederates or all Nazis, whatever the fuck you are. Yeah. If you're still fighting that war, do what John Wayne did at the end of the searchers and walk into walk the, into the desert. desert and you, you'll look cool so you can feel good, but just go away. It's also less clear in that movie that Ford thinks of him as the hero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they do a nice job of, of them being like, we need this guy, but mm-hmm. like, we hate this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a that's yeah. I there I have a, a a soft spot for a lot of the yeah. I I grew up watching it with my grandfather, so I feel like it's Same, all, it's yeah. alighted with my memories. Oh of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, eating yeah. ginger snaps with Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turner Classic Movies. Oh uh, boy. yeah, yeah. Always on. Uh, two questions to go mm. in the guest questionnaire. Yeah. What is a TV show you wish more people watched? Not necessarily one you think is like underrated or whatever, but one that you wish you could talk to more people about. Uh, I would say um, in the loop. I've been oh. talking this up a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you this know this the, one? This is the precursor to Veep, yeah, right? This yeah, this is what Veep is based on. Yeah. And it's, I think a lot of people know In the Thick of It, which was the mm-hmm. movie based on a lot of these characters. Mm. This but, is Armando Iannucci. Yeah, Iannucci. yeah, yeah. Iannucci. Yeah. I don't, I'm not good at Italian. But um, it's it's incredible. It's, it's uh, everything that Veep does, I think it does, um, like the stakes are more perfectly calibrated. Mm. So like it's about, I don't know how much you know about Parliament. Uh, little. But there's but the, so there's always a shadow Parliament. Okay. That like since parties can fall out of power so quickly, there's always a mirror of all the state institutions that are run by the out of party, the out of power party. I see. So it would okay. basically be like if there was a in the states, it would be like you know right now if the Democrats had a simultaneous um, you know Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Labor. Department of Energy. Like there's there's a shadow version of everything. Mm-hmm. That's only job is to like critique the in power party. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the the show follows the shadow labor ah, I see. party. I see. Okay. Or the shadow labor um department or ministry. And uh and I think it's like a more I think it's a because what's fun about Veep is like it's somebody who has power or like is adjacent to power but doesn't really have much and is like trying to like because the whole thing is her like trying to talk to the president, and try to get in. Mm-hmm. But I think that the shadow minister is like a much more. It's a much more low stakes, um, version of that where like it's somebody who like truly doesn't have any power other than to criticize the government. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's just it's very British and like yes. very very funny, and the situations they get into are fantastic. It's uh-huh. like it's so funny. Um, yeah, I just I adore it. It's like yeah. really great. I haven't seen all of it, but I think once you see it, the line to Veep from there is like very straight and short. Yes, uh, and the, yes. even what it puts Veep's sensibility in a in a kind of British context because it is like they're both very mean. They're oh, very mean spirited shows. Yeah, and I think that is great. Yeah, it's incredible. I really like it. And um, there's also this uh, another British show, W One A. Which I think is like the call sign for the BBC, and it's basically it's it, it's truly like a haunting show to watch because mm-hmm. it's about the BBC, um, and it kind of like takes you inside um, 
you know, the process of the BBC and them making TV. And it's, uh-huh. like, very disheartening because it's everything <laughs> that you hate about, like, bureaucracy oh, and, God. like, you know, as people who do creative stuff. It's, like, every creative meeting you've had that's just sort of, like, why is it like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's so funny and, like, sharp and eviscerating of, like, the BBC uh-huh. in this way that I'm sure a lot of it is lost on me. But, um, yeah, it's the characters in it are so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like all these people who like don't want to make a decision and like are throwing it downhill to other people right. and folks who are trying to do good work, but it's like being like just ruined and shat upon. It's uh-huh. really good. So it's I called, think like it's called W1A. W1A. I'm going to write that Which, down. Actually, I should double check if that's right. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. W1A. Final question mm. of the questionnaire. Who is the most famous person you ever met? Most famous person I ever met. Was it the New Yorker managing editor? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think who I've met. I've met some cool people. I was lucky enough to have dinner with Bill Murray one time, just like by happenstance. Dinner? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> That's like, insane. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, that he, was, did, he, did he crash it? <laughs> Were you having dinner with someone else? I think I else? crashed it. <laughs> or no, I guess he kind of did. I was like, I was hanging out with, um, it was like, I think it was like a summer before I was going back to college and I was hanging out with my dad's best friend who like were kind of close and he's mm-hmm. like a my dad's friend is like a big golfer and was doing a tournament and unbeknownst to me his partner in the tournament was bill murray so he's like come oh and God. meet me after this tournament and we'll like get some dinner and we'll hang out uh-huh. um and it was so fun it was I, like, I mean i can imagine <laughs> yeah it was like it was a blast and like truly one of the heights of my life was uh um Making Bill Murray laugh, oh like my just God. like doing yeah. dumb bits. How many people could that would kill for that? Yeah. Oh, but I do think that the actually that's not true. I'm now remembering the most famous person I met, and it was barely a meeting. But uh-huh. I I saw Beyonce in a car one time. Oh, yeah. I remember when this happened. Yeah, to people you. Yeah. freaked yeah. out. So I was biking on Eighth Avenue uptown, and I like stop on my bike, and I'm waiting for a light, and there's like four like black Suburbans all lined up. And somebody gets out of the back suburban, runs up to like the second one and like the window rolls down and uh-huh. it's like Beyonce. She's like one <laughs> like car length, the short way away from me. And yeah. I wave and I was like, hey, Beyonce, because like I'm looking, I'm looking left. And so I see all these people like yes. freaking out on the sidewalk and I turn around to the, my right and there she is in the car. And I was like, hey, Beyonce. And I wave. And she was like, cool bike. And no, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it was nuts. And I snapped like a picture. It's on Facebook. Um, although actually I don't think I posted it. I texted Katie Ruth and she freaked out <laughs> and posted it. It's, it was one of the crazy, I was like so sweaty. biking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the it was worst like, conditions you'd want to meet Beyonce in. Yeah. As if, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, cause I remember biking away and being like, Oh, I wish that had gone better. And I was sort of like, <laughs> how did I? What would have been the best case? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what I would have expected from that. Being like, get in, kid. Yep. I'm adopting <laughs> you. Or like. You hungry? <laughs> yeah. I'll call anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's pretty tops. That oh, story. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was so weird and it was so funny. And it was like one of those, only in New York, baby. Oh, yeah. Only oh, yeah. in New York. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was cool. It was like very, it was very weird and very surprising. Yeah. 904-351-0729 is our number. That's 904-351-0729. That concludes... 
the Young Persons Radio Guest Questionnaire. That's so fun. We got lots of other stuff coming down the pike here. Lots of other stuff coming down the pike, including the next segment that I've only done once before. Okay. So this is still evolving. Still a fresh one. This is called the Taste Test. Okay. And there's no food involved whatsoever, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to give you a very, very simple either or, uh, and you're just going to give me your answer, and okay. we can expound for as much or as little as we want. Right. Yeah, I've been really digging into these simple questions <laughs> and giving you long and no, I like answers. It. <laughs> Again, look, no, uh, you know, we got we got two hours. We can take as much time as we want. Hell yeah. First, however, before we get into the segment, we are going to take a call, All and right. here it comes. Caller, you're on the air with me and James Folta. Hey, point of order. It's your boy, Tim Keck, with his hot sports take. Oh, my God. Did you see that Russell Westbrook signing? What does that mean? Dude, he is locked in to OKC uh, for the future. You know, they have to give him the big money because he is as good as they can get. Paul George still going to L.A., LeBron. Still going to L.A. Carmelo Anthony, going to go to L.A. Dwayne Wade, going to go to L.A. We're talking about a Lakers superpower that is assembling at the side of Carmelo Anthony to battle Lance Armstrong's (laughs) team of cyclists and amateur athletes for our souls. Big Uh, fan of the show, guys. Tim, 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 this is is Young Persons Radio. We're on a second app. Yeah. What are you doing? Do you, what are you doing on points of order? Do you call points of order after calling into my show every week? Uh, they're all at a Jets I mean, game, buddy. It's James. They're at a Jets game? Yeah, the, the yeah. whole crew is at a Jets oh, game. I'm missing the Jets game? <laughs> oh, did they invite you to the Jets game because you're such a loyal caller? Unbelievable. And you overslept? We hang out a lot. Sometimes we get lunch. That's Brunch. A- you get brunch? They say I'm their most loyal caller. You get brunch with the points of order hosts? You bastard. Yeah, they're great. They're great people. If I could circle back Good for day. a second. Were you de- did you just describe a situation in which a bunch of professional basketball <laughs> players all get signed to the Lakers and then fight Lance Armstrong and a team of amateur athletes? I wasn't following the end of the rant there, but it did sound like you were describing some sort of inter-sport death match. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to play out a lot like The Stand. Uh, okay. Stephen King, Fault, I'm sure you're familiar. Big fan. Hi, by the way. Hello. I'm a big Fault fan. Oh, buddy, stop. But you know, uh, basically Carmelo Anthony is assembling his uh, evil uh, squad. He's and, a he's uh, a bad guy. I mean, I've, he is the devil. I've been around New York he long enough. He will ultimately fight Lance Armstrong. <laughs> so for our souls, my, how are they going to uh, OJ Simpson oh, fresh souls. from prison? That's right. I saw he got out up today. With Lance Armstrong to fight for us. So, wait, which side of history is OJ on? Or this oh, this OJ battle? Simpson is fresh from prison. He's going to join up with Lance Armstrong and take down Carmelo Anthony for us. Hopefully, <laughs> we should all pray for him. Okay. He's Hold on. I'm sword from the stone. I'm literally drawing a map of this bit because it's gotten away from me two weeks in a row now. This, oh, this is a continuing bit. This started, this started as Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony versus Lance Armstrong, right? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. And where did Gordon Ramsay fit in? Was Gordon Ramsay on Carmelo oh, Gordon Anthony's Ramsey's side? definitely a good guy. He's, 
So he's not Lance no, Armstrong. Ramsey's definitely with Lance Armstrong. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm kid, I'm kid, I don't I'm drawing this on a piece of paper. I just wrote down Gordon Cole, which is not the same thing. Gordon Ramsay. For the soul of America, the stakes are all of our. I mean, these stakes are very high. If I read the stand, will I have an easier time with this, Tim? Uh, I mean, like a Wikipedia paragraph would be enough. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think you can get the broad strokes and kind of figure out what we're working with here. I mean, it's like a 2,000-page book. <laughs> it's more than it's, one book. It's a real it's embarrassment a, it's, of a book. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's a thing where it's sort of like, yeah, maybe, maybe get an ed- editor in there with a machete and we can clean this up, make it a little more straight to the point. <laughs> have oh, you seen the movie yet, Keg? It's the kind of book I have not seen. Well, there was a TV show. Oh, that's right. I saw part of the TV show. I'm thinking of Dark Tower. Oh, yes, that's yeah, right. No, yeah. yeah, I have yeah. not read Dark Tower. No. I would watch that show. The, the movie looked good. Idris Elba's a badass. Idris Elba's Idris Elba, the best. Matthew McConaughey, reenacting the conflict that will go out between Lance Armstrong and Colonel <laughs> Anthony. So that's a dramatization of your wicked fantasy. <laughs> of course, yes, yes. Of course, I mean, the battle will says. be for a tower. <laughs> I think I saw in that in the middle of our country. <laughs> yeah. The, the super tower, I kind of, so there was a um, Frank Lloyd Wright, famous American architect, wanted to design and drew up designs for a mile high skyscraper that he wanted to build in the Midwest. <laughs> and I kind of often, yeah, it's, a, it's insane. That's uh, amazing. Um, he was a very bad engineer. Um, and I kind of uh, <laughs> like to imagine, uh, architecture burn. Um, and I like to imagine that tower having been built in the, this world that we're painting and there's sort of like two armies converging from both coasts on this mile-high skyscraper. Yeah. Led by... this Usonian style <laughs> in the middle of a giant plane. Lance Armstrong's biking toward it. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a little ahead of his guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all have bikes, it's but this is not It's crazy. Fulta is describing exactly what is going to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm on this tip. It took me a second, but... Oh. This is so. I don't know why I have such a hard time keeping track of who is on what side. <laughs> I mean, it, it don't. There doesn't seem to be much <laughs> of a through line. Yeah, I think it's because it's unclear to me that Lance Armstrong is a good guy. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, he's a patriot. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? He did that for us. <laughs> he did that for us. <laughs> he did. He he. The the doping. I didn't ask him to do that. Yeah. Cheating so for America. For us. You don't, you, listen, Colby, you live in your little ivory tower <laughs> and you don't care who keeps this world safe because that's not what you have to do. You're, you know what? You know? You're absolutely right. why you can walk down the streets without fucking Nazi flags hanging around. Oh my Excuse God. me. Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let's take that out of it, please. The Tour de France is single handedly keeping fascism at bay. The victory. <laughs> We distract them with the bike race. Oh, yeah. If only Germany had won a few more tour, tour de France's. Tours de France? Tour de yeah, France's. I guess it would be Tours de France. Tours de France. That's why they got a bunch of I'm just... far-right people elected to their <laughs> parliament this past weekend. Tim. It's coming back, I'm telling you. As soon as Lance stopped riding the bike, all these white trash hicks start coming out of their houses like, Oh, maybe we should be Nazis again. Without Lance, without Lance, 
Wasn't this also a uh, like a sports center ad where Lance Armstrong is powering the building on a stationary bike? I feel like I remember that ad watching Sports oh, Center as a kid. Maybe. Where they like go into a I room and like the lights turn off and they go into a room uh-huh. and Lance is like taking a water break and then he gets back on the bike and the lights go back on. <laughs> Did you maybe see that ad, Tim, and you're kind of extrapolating that out? Uh-huh. Are you guys familiar with the uh, Marvel movies like the Avengers? No, I've never seen that. No, I am familiar. No, okay, familiar. well, come on. Uh, there's Dude, a character named Thor who has this hammer that he can shoot lightning and, like, you know, control the wind from. <laughs> and it, like, always comes back to him. Right. I'd like to think that's the relationship Lance Armstrong has with his bike, where, like, it's like a part of him and an extension of him, but it really brings <laughs> out and amplifies his powers. All right, I buy that. Yeah, I buy that for sure. What is it, Major- yeah. Majornier? What's the name of that hammer? Yeah. Yeah. Majoran, yeah, something like that. Something like that. All right. I'm surely pronouncing it right. Cool. And then, of course, O.J. Simpson is going to be with Lance Armstrong because he's an American hero. What's his power item? Is it all that memorabilia that he stole back? (laughs) Is that his, like, his hammer? Or is it O.J. Simpson operates uh, on Santa Claus rules (laughs) where his strength comes from us believing in him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, that's so true. So at some point, we're all going to have to stand up and clap, you know, and tell him that he's great, you know, in a crucial moment. That's going to... he fights, like, the Midgard Serpent or something like that. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. My dude reads Norse myths. <laughs> I got nothing on this guy. Obviously, <laughs> the Midgard Serpent is from Kermelian's team. Encircles the world, right? Big dragon? Big Dargon? Yeah. Tim, anything you want to plug Four while you're plug. here? Jeez, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this question you know. bums you out so much, <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm trying to do you a solid. Uh, I'm doing a show at Legion next Saturday at 8. It'll be great. That's Legion Bar in Williamsburg. Also, also um, if you're into sports talk, uh, Points of Order on Radio Free Brooklyn, they do a great show. They do do a great uh, show. Big fan of that gang. They'll be back next um, week. You can call him. Okay, thank God. Uh, anyway, uh, it was great talking to you guys. Love you, Falta. See you, buddy. Tim out. Bye, Tim. There he goes. He's gone. Like dust in the wind. Tim Cat calls the show every week. It's awesome. Every week. Wait, I think he's still on the air. Oh, he's just going to lurk? No, he's not. I took him off. <laughs> he's gone now. Uh, all right, so we were going to do this. We were going to do this taste Oh, yeah, test. taste test. Taste test segment. Simple either or. Okay, great. Starting with The Office or 30 Rock. Um, hmm, I think I'm going to say The Office. Mm, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I like both of them, but I think the, I think just for nostalgic reasons, probably The Office uh-huh. hit me at the right time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mad Men or Breaking Bad? You know, I've never seen Mad Men. Oh, interesting. So I think I you'd like to, it a lot. I think I would, yeah. It's just, it feels like such an undertaking. Well, I guess know? at this point, yeah. It's, 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 it's a not giant... the zeitgeist anymore, and there are... They were still, you know, they were still doing thirteen episode seasons. Then it's not like a six episodes equals a season. Like oh it is yeah. Now. And I also like, I imagine, like if you think about like all the media I have to consume, like a buffet, that would yeah. be going up and taking like, <laughs> like three whole gooses of yes. just being like, I'll just eat this real quick <laughs> yes. and then I'll come back for some salad. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it feels like a like a project. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars for sure. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent all the way. No one has said Star Trek yet. Yeah, that's funny. I don't. I guess I don't know too many Trekkies. Yeah. Um, and I do. You know, I I did love like the voyage home as a kid. Like I loved all that whale stuff. Oh yeah. Um, 
And the new movies have been fun, but I just like I was always, 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 always a Star Wars kid. Yeah, I and think it just I, grabs you like more. Oh man, like, I and I also loved. I read all the books. Like I loved all those, um, like the Star Wars extended universe novels. Oh yeah, yeah. and if I can plug the <laughs> Thrawn trilogy, they oh. hold up. Is this Grand Admiral Thrawn? Okay. Is a character the the trilogy takes place right after the original films. Uh huh. Um, features all the characters you know and love. Yeah. But introduces Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is one of the best uh, characters of all time. Uh-huh. And he's so cool, and he's so badass, and he's this brilliant Star Destroyer commander. <laughs> and I met, um, I I was visiting a friend's family, and I met her little cousins, and I was telling them about Thrawn, and it was just this thing where I was like really grokking like really mind connecting <laughs> with these young teen nerds uh-huh. and being like it gets better and also i'm gonna mail you a f- complete edition <laughs> of the thrawn books and it truly like made me feel so good to know that these kids had these books and were reading them all summer yeah it made me feel like a cool adult for like the first time ever of like right. i can buy books and send them to young teens yes. or having a and hard you'll time. love them and you'll love <laughs> them they're so good and the audiobooks are great too. i can help you oh yeah <laughs> like truly so fun big yeah. star wars dude i think we got into this a little bit earlier uh but uh gangster movies or westerns definitely westerns yeah yeah, definitely yeah. westerns um i think the old the like the gangster movies from that era have never really done it for me like the pub, the original Public Enemy and yeah. uh, Scarface, I it's and like, I, it feels like homework. A yeah, bit. and I do love I do love like um, hard boiled crime fiction. So I do mm-hmm. love um, you know the old Dashiell Hammett stuff. But like I would much prefer to read the Maltese Falcon than to yeah. watch. I, like and as much as like Bogey's great and like that movie's yeah. great, I think I'd much rather watch a western and read a Dashiell Hammett story. Yeah, yeah, um, or like you know. Chandler or whatever. Yeah. What's the one with Lauren Bacall and, and Bogart? Is that that's not Maltese Falcon? I think it is. Or, is it? Or is it the Thin Man? No. I it think, might be Maltese Falcon. I think it's the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. I've seen Maltese Falcon. She is the only thing I remember about it. Yeah. It's very like it's very like smoldering in that way where it's just like yeah. a lot of like tight shots of him being like, oh, this oh you know what? I think it is it the big sleep? Oh it might be the yeah, big the sleep. Yeah, the big sleep, which is sleep. another yeah. one of like yeah. Solid book. I yeah. Mean, so yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's um, really, really enjoyable. Oh man, all of his stuff is so good. Did you see the Oh Hello on Broadway? And did you love it as much as me? I did love it. I thought I it was so it fun. I loved it so much. Yeah. I mean, those guys are like unassailable. They're so funny. Yeah. Um. I also somebody was telling me about Big Mouth recently. The show that it they're just, doing. It just got to Netflix yesterday. I think. Is it good? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't either. I, I really will, want to check though, it out because I like them both so much. Yeah, and the premise sounds so fun, and like they're both so funny. Yeah, those characters are um, incredible. Yeah, um, and I I love I love stuff like that. Um, I think it was like John Benjamin and someone else used to do these characters on stage in New York called the Forgetta Boys that <laughs> okay. were like these like. They, they were just these, like, crazy characters that they would do on stage where these guys were like, hey, like, forget about it. And they, like, still weren't, weren't over World War II. And they could be like, Hitler, take a seat. Sit down. <laughs> You're done, kid. Uh, and they would do it on stage. And it was so fun and silly. Yeah. And I just – I remember loving things like that of people, like, doing these wacky stage characters, mm-hmm. um, like, as a duo. And so when I saw that 
Kroll show bit and then saw that they're doing a live show, I was like, this is just like, it's this best. is what daddy wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all I'm after. <laughs> Final question. Mm. Did you, uh, did you have any, did you watch the new Twin Peaks? Yes. Did you watch the old Twin Peaks? Yes. I loved the new season. I loved it too. We did a whole episode about it here. Oh, I gotta check that out. Uh, with Maggie Sorota. Oh, I just saw her. She just followed me on Twitter. Oh, nice. Yeah. She, yeah. she seems great. She's a great lady. Yeah, she seems great. Uh, um, I... Yeah, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, recently rewatched the whole original series. Mm. And you then, slogged and then through the second the season. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, but there's, <laughs> there's some, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. The, I, I will say though, the, like the Civil War reenactment thing of like him getting lost in that, in the, the, in Gettysburg is uh-huh. like, that was weird to rewatch in this I, moment of I just sort imagine. of like, yeah. This is like really happening. It's mm. not like a fun, crazy lynch thing anymore. <laughs> there are people who are just like, I can, like my, my, I will fix my personality that like I will become unbroken yeah. if I can win the Civil War on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Just yeah. like that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is, you know, interesting, but not great. Yeah, because it's 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 played as this thing of like, oh, isn't he crazy? And it's sort of like it, these these guys. It's not that crazy. It's not yeah. that crazy, and it's yeah. also not that fun. Yeah, are you a you're a Lynch fan in general? I am. Yeah, me I too. Am. Yeah, I love his stuff. I I finally saw Fire Walk with me. I hadn't seen it before the new uh, show. It's good, right? It's very good. Yeah, it's, it's very the kind good. of thing. After seeing the third season, which kind of delivers on a lot of the stuff it sets up, mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense. But I can imagine seeing it in 1992 and just being furious. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, for the longest time, it was just it's this sort of thing that just laid so much out and then didn't do anything. Yeah, the thing that's crazy to me about Twin Peaks that I always have to remember is that it was like, it was like a network show, like it was like a oh, prime time. It was a hit that it was first a season. Hit. It was like a phenomenon. Yeah, and I think that's just like such a cool thing of like, this weird stuff can like really work. Yeah, um, yeah. You ever see the SNL that? Kyle MacLachlan hosted like no. at the height of the oh first season. I gotta watch it's that. it's really fun. They 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 do like a Twin Peaks sketch. I mean, I even love David Lynch's Dune. I think that's like so weird and fun. So do I. It's great. I, I think it's like I think it's so great. And like I love those books, and I get that you know it's not perfect and it's completely insane, but it's yeah. also like, man, it's just like it's just interesting and like fun and weird. Yeah, and, you know. Bowie's in it. Yeah, I know. Or no, not Bowie. Um, Bowie's in Twin Peaks. He's in Fire Walk with He's me. in Fire Walk yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but who's... Sting. Sting. Sting is Sting. in uh, yeah. uh, um, Dune. <sighs> the part, when I saw Dune, it was my first... I hadn't read the book before, so it was my first time with that story. So, yeah. of course, I, I mean, it's a great story. It's of course a great I was going to like yeah, it. Yeah, it's such a cool world. And it is kind of... I mean, there are... It is a weird companion to Blade Runner, I think. Which is one of my favorite movies. Are you excited for next weekend? I have my ticket yeah i'm ready to go i can't i am oh my god i can't wait i'm going friday so same yeah yeah Yeah, it's It's, gonna be uh i oh my god i I saw the first blade runner in high school and it was the kind of movie where it's like it's 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 similar to lynch in that you don't when you're watching it you don't love it yes but it sticks with you in your brain for another great another great text to film adaptation Mm -hmm. um the short story the dick story that that's based on is like Very weird and cool and, like, a lot more complicated. But, man, and I also just, like, the other thing I love about that movie is, like, it really got future cities, like, pretty right. Oh, yeah. Just, like, huge advertising, 
a sort of like weird patois language, mm. um, it, big skyscrapers, like the environment is fucked. Yeah. Uh, it just like if that feels like probably what the cities in a hundred years will look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also has, uh, it's got a quality that it probably owes to the third man a little bit where mm-hmm. it's very much the, like the, the surface and then the, the lower city yes. too. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think that's probably is a good prediction too, where it's like, you've got the, what we might call the executive class that literally lives above the rest of right. us downstairs right. and can fly above them. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, yeah. That movie's so good. It's I'm very so excited. I can't wait. I also, excited. you know, I love Gosling. He's, he's I think good. Gosling's good. Yeah, I think he's good. Did you see The Nice Guys with him and Russell Crowe? I didn't. Is it worth it? It was really fun. I got to check it out. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think like what. Yeah, I remember seeing him in, uh, what was that like real sad one where he's like breaking up with that girl? Uh, Blue. Oh, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I first moved to San Francisco, oh, and I had like one friend who was like this rough. older guy. Uh, and I remember going to see that and being like very sad, and it not being a good yeah antidote to that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a special guest caller now <gasps> on the phone. I'm going to unmute. Is this Mary Houlihan? Hello. Hey. hey. Mary, thanks for calling. Hey I know you're you're coming back from Philadelphia right now, right? Well, we came back last night. Ah. In fact. Oh, wow. Because you had just did Cartoon Monsoon does stand-up at the Good Good Comedy Theater. It's true. You like that I'm it's plugging a fun. show that already happened for you? <laughs> <laughs> How you did it go? do it again. How was the show? It ruled. We crushed. The crowd loved us. Hell yeah. <laughs> the whole city threw you a ticker tape parade. Yeah, they did. Awkward much. Oh my, <laughs> we're trying to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Our bus is here. <laughs> yeah, Philly. Philly's so desperate. And like, honestly, <laughs> it's a little yeah. much. It's like a little much. I got to get down there. I've, I've like heard so much about that theater and how great it is. It's really great. Now, Mary, I it asked reminds you to... me go ahead, go of, ahead. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. It reminds me of the places that uh, all fail and close in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. They keep running. Yeah. Like really fun theaters That's where awesome. you can kind of screw around. Yeah. R.I.P., though. R.I.P. R.I.P. everything. Now, Mary, I don't know I don't know if you're caught up on Riverdale, uh, James. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. But I wanted Mary to call because I have been catching up on it rapidly and she was the first person who recommended it to me, and I love it so much. I think I was the first person that I know of um, <laughs> to like the show <laughs> at all, so, um, and also be a crazy evangelical about it. You Early are. Adopter. We found. We found the source of the stream. Patient zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, the mom of Veronica. Um, I'm trying to interview her. <laughs> really? For an article. Yeah, I've been back and forth with her publicist for a couple months. That's oh, wow. I'm um, just trying to figure out a date that works for us, and I'm really hoping that it works out. <laughs> Is she New York-based? Would that be like a lunch, or would that be a phone call? 
Well, we definitely want to meet in person. That's you so know good. I'm trying to snag a pic. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, I think usually she lives in L.A., but the show films in Vancouver, I think. So oh. she's, like, never here. Interesting. I see. So what's the, like, give me the elevator pitch on this show. Why should I watch it? I mean, <laughs> well, boy, which um, one of well, us wants to feel this one? watching Archie? Or reading Archie, right? Yeah, I, def- I didn't read it super regularly, but I, I definitely did. I had, like, a, a pretty fat stack of Archie. Sure. Well, I would say Archie and Sabrina were probably exclusively the only comics I read. I had no interest in anything else. Right. So I have very fond memories. Um, and as you know, the Archie gang, they're sort of like, in the comic books, they're sort of like the Scooby-Doo gang, except mm. they don't really solve mysteries and nothing scary it's just like <laughs> hot find, teens and they find hanging fun. out and yeah. it's not very sexual like they go on dates but like they use terms like going steady and it's just yeah. like very very innocent and all they do is have milkshakes <laughs> so that's why i liked reading it but the show <laughs> is like fucked are we allowed <laughs> to curse i don't know yes yes, yes you are well, please please do so so dark and insane and like prestige TV style. Well, it's sort of like films like prestige TV, but the storylines are more like OC or like your standard CW teen fair. Yeah. So, I would say it's, yes, it's there's if... murder, there's a lot of sex, there's oh a lot of. God. Just, yeah. Like, this is not what the Archie crew does. It's and I very think that's much kind like of the if, appeal of it. If the OC were filmed. By House of Cards. Wild. That's what's that's yes. what the show is. Okay, well it's and on the list. And there's so much fog. Yeah. <laughs> there's fog <laughs> in every shot. <laughs> <laughs> like indoors, there's um, fog. Wow. It also like the color palette is very like a music video directed by Mick G. <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, actually, now yeah. I'm thinking about it, Mick G. Did direct all or a lot of the OC. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it checks out. Oh, man. I love that. Okay, well, I'm on board. It's so much fun. I'll check it out. It's so much fun to watch. And we were talking about Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, Shelly Johnson is uh, the the Betty character's mom. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, I'm there. She is so great. Her character's so nuts. I mean, talk about another show where teens are getting into bad situations. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Uh, she's so great on it, too. She's just like, I think I said when I first started watching it that she's the only actress who knows what kind of show she's on. <laughs> but by the end, they all get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't I think to... the girl that plays Veronica is, like, legitimately good. Oh, like, yeah. Like, a lot of them seem like they were probably models, and maybe this is their first acting thing. Right. But I think she's really good. Yeah, awesome. she is great. Uh, I expected to be more of a Betty guy, but you know what? I think Veronica is the show's moral center. She really is. Everyone else sucks in a good way. <laughs> yes, in a very good way. I knew but I was... There's, Go ahead. Uh, there's so many fun cliffhangers that I'm looking forward to. I mean, I don't want to spoil it with specifics, but Jughead turns out to be kind of a bad boy. And yeah. I'm excited to see if he'll continue being bad or if he's going to go back to being good. Interesting. Because his, like, in the comics, he's very much, like, he's just sort of, like, a whimsical prankster. Like, he just yes. sort of 
like worships at the feet of a low level chaos. Yeah. But he's not actually trying to make anything notoriously asexual in the comics, oh. preferring food. Oh yeah. yeah. He's horny for birds. I mean, I don't know what came first, Archie or Scooby Doo, but either one of them ripped off the other one. Like Shaggy and Jughead are oh, the yeah. same character. Oh yeah. So true, yeah. Like they both like really tall sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Which I and always that's pretty much their whole personality. Yeah. yeah, I feel like when I was a kid, I really always wanted a sandwich like that, and then was always disappointed. Like whenever I would go to a diner, I would always get the like club that has like yes. three pieces of bread, and just yeah. being like, "This is tight as hell," because this <laughs> yeah. is what my cartoon boys eat, and just it was so unwieldy, and I would get yeah. so sad. You'd finish maybe yeah, half of it. Yeah, that sounds really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of the defining trauma yeah. of my life. Sandwich too big. When you go to a diner, what's your go-to order? Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Uh, I guess eggs and toast often. Oh, actually, I think all the time I get, I mean, most of the time I get a bagel. And I'll tell hmm. you what. You got to get a bagel at a diner because, get this, your standard eggs and toast and potato thing, that's usually conservatively $5. Usually you're paying 6 7 if there's any veggies or cheese. Mm -hmm. You're you're looking maybe $8 on that, right? Oh, yeah. You get an egg sandwich on a bagel, it's only like $2.50. Yeah. Like, it's... It seems like a misprint. Like, they usually get <laughs> irritated when you ask for an egg sandwich. Yes. Because oh, yeah. They're like, ugh. Oh, no, someone figured it out. serve it differently <laughs> yeah. for twice the amount. Yes. So that's my tip. Get egg sandwiches that's when you go order. to a diner. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good order. Well, uh, Mary, thank you so much for calling. we got to start wrapping up the show, I'm afraid. Oh, wild as hell. Nice. I have to go um, release some really nice people that I told to watch my laptop a while ago. I hope they're not mad. Oh, sick. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, good yeah. luck with the laptop. Uh, thank you for calling in, and uh, I'm glad to hear the show went well. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. See you guys soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Mary Houlihan, here on Young Persons Radio, with me, your host, Colby Smith, on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guest, James Fulta, <sighs> who has been my guest for the last two hours. Wild. I can't believe it. It's been so fun. It really has. I'm so glad you had a great time. It truly flew by. It really did. Uh, so what, what What can we plug for you, James? Um, well, Paul Ryan Magazine's coming out soon. Yeah. Um, it should be in print, like, within a month. Um, and we'll be getting those. We are those... sorry, but the show has ended. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. That's, uh... That never mind, <laughs> never mind. That was the call-in system. Oh, gotcha. That okay. ran out of time. <laughs> My plugs. <laughs> um, no, I uh, yeah. So the magazine's coming out soon. You can pre-order copies at Wisco, as in Wisconsin Hunk dot com. So W I S. How are we just now getting to that being the website? Yeah, we we, we, we own that funny. domain now. <laughs> w I C. No, sorry. <clears throat> Go to your browser. Type in www.wiscohunk.com. Wisco Hunk. Um, and it'll bring you to our page. You can find out more about the magazine. You can pre-order a copy, which will be uh, raising in price after the pre-order. So Ooh. get in there now. Great. Um, and yeah, we'll be, we'll be doing stuff like that. I'm at the UCB um, doing shows around. Uh, check out my writing. I got a piece going that's going to go up on The New Yorker this week. Coming soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and yeah, 
That's me, baby. Awesome. And people can find you on Twitter at... At James Folta. J-A-M-E-S-F-O-L-T-A, baby. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Smith. And you can listen to Young Persons Radio right here on Radio Free Brooklyn every Sunday morning at 10. We'll be back to one hour next week. Uh, thanks again to James for coming and doing this whole uh, this whole extravaganza. Thanks for having me, buddy. This was so fun. It was very fun. So we're going to go out to a song from the new War on Drugs album. This is called In Chains. And uh, uh, the Stroll Show will be starting up shortly, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with uh, some big surprises in store. Goodbye! Goodbye!